the Shuroloku case 49. Dongshan presents an offering before the image. Introduction. It can't be depicted, it can't be drawn. Pua turned a flip. Longia just showed half his body. Ultimately, who is in what state? The case. As Dongshan was presenting offering before the image of Yunyan, he retold the story from before about depicting the reality. A monk came forward and said, when Yunyan said, just this is it, what did he mean? Dongshan said, at that time, I nearly misunderstood my late teacher's meaning. The monk said, did Yunyan himself know it is or not? Dongshan said, if he didn't know it, how could he be able to say it is? If he, di if he did know it, how could he be willing to say this? The verse. How could he be willing to say this? In the third watch, the cock crows, dawn for the forest of, of homes. How would he be willing to say this? The thousand-year crane grows old with the pine in the clouds. The jewel mirror, clear and bright, shows absolute and relative. The jade machine revolves. See them both show up at once. The way of the school is greatly influential. Its regulated steps, continuous and fine. Father and son change and pass through. Oceanic is their fame. So at the beginning, the opening talk, I said that we are not leaving this place. We're all homeless. We're never leaving. This is it. And being homeless means everywhere is home, doesn't it? Having a home, a designated place, designated structure, holding on to that, having certain feelings about being there or doing that, and then having that change, because it changes. Without asking us how we feel about it. Without a schedule, without a structure. It has its own structure. Regardless of what we do, it shows up. So having to deal with the, the changes, right? The issue with the plumbing the septic tank, then we find ourselves here. Not that it's not beautiful, it's just different. And sometimes because it's different, it's not what we plan, 
we become blinded by that and we cannot see the beauty. We cannot see the opportunity because we think this is wrong, right? We're not supposed to be here. We're supposed to be in the zendo, over there, in the monastery. By whose standards? Who is calling the shots? Who makes the final decision? And it goes with everything, right? Everything we do. We have defined structures, procedures for everything. And then things get tweaked, changed. It doesn't matter why. Whether somebody doesn't know, somebody forgot, somebody's missing, there's a new person. And then again, we had a plan and the plan crumbles. Isn't that what the practice is all about? How do we meet the moment? How do we dissolve our own rigidity in the face of change? Because it's changing anyway. It doesn't matter whether I argue or go along with it. The pace of it, of life, of reality, is just that pace. Not different than a thunderstorm. It doesn't follow a schedule. Well, it does, but not our schedule. doesn't follow the forecast schedule often, too. But it's great. It actually is exciting. If anything, it's actually exciting to change. Because we are offered something fresh, something new, something we did not expect. How great is that? And we have to think on our feet. Adapt, adjust, change, move. We actually come to life when we are, when the stability we draw from the familiarity and, and the earth is shifting under our ground, everything is changing and moving. It shakes us up, it wakes us up. We have to figure things out. And we do, because we can. Because we can, because we have the capacity. So, be, being in the thick of Sashin, whether here or there, you may be by now experiencing aches and pains, nagging physical discomfort. Maybe you got used to it. And of course, it's natural to, to have some level of discomfort after so many hours of sitting, waking up early. So 
or maybe you found a way to by now to dissolve the stagnation and resistance in the body and maybe have created some space for energy to flow a bit more freely in the mind, in the body, in the breath. And you probably also have gone through the internal maneuverings of the mind, recognized its incessant groping for something to hold on to, of course, exhausting itself in the process. And actually moving from the zendo to here, that stirs up the mind as well, doesn't it? More stuff to let go of. But it's also an opportunity to, another opportunity to not grab at all. To not grab at all. So when the incessant thinking process subsides, there is a bit more breathing space, an expanded sense of being, perhaps a greater experience of joy and lightheartedness. You know, we can sit in Sashin and feel heavy thinking that it has something to do with the Sashin or the place or lack of something. And of course, all, all that's happening is that we bring heaviness with us and we sit down and encounter that. So running away doesn't take away the heaviness. So Sashin can be mentally and physically challenging, but at the same time, it can initiate a magical transformation that is difficult to experience when we operate within our comfort zone and engage with our daily and familiar activities. On the surface, the structure and schedule of Sashin only seem confining and daunting. It's actually meant to, to do quite the opposite. An intensive practice period provides an opportunity to free us from our defined, chiseled, defined identity and from our rigid parameters. And the structure of Sashin creates an efficient framework, encourages each of us to maintain a deep level of concentration so we can bear witness to the movement of mind from the moment we wake up until the moment we go to sleep. And since the schedule is predetermined and all decisions are taken care of, you don't need to spend any thought or energy on weighing options. Leave it to us. We take care of that. Right? What time should I wake up? What assignments do I want for Samu? What should I have for breakfast? There are no questions about any of it, so there's no need to search for any answer. And by relinquishing the need to weigh options, we intercept the automatic reactivity patterns and disrupt the connection between the thinking mind and the body. So the thinking mind no longer, is no longer in charge of what we do or what we avoid. And we willingly consciously enter a state of choiceless awareness, voluntarily, 
relinquishing, choosing. And this allows us to release our tight grip on the known, gradually lose ourselves into the quietude and the flow, and then raise very important questions. What else is there? What is life beyond thought? What is this? When I don't go to the mind to find the most fitting definition from previous experiences, what is it? So we take the backward step, dive deeply into the exploration of this naked, stripped away from all the labels and personal interpretations. Just this. The dialogue in this koan <coughs> took place while Dongshan was officiating a memorial ceremony for his teacher, Yunyan. And you remember Yunyan from yesterday's Taisho. And Dongshan is an important teacher in our tradition since he was the founder of the Chinese Soto School along with his successor, Kaoshan. So Kao Dong or Soto. And so during the memorial service, Dongshan presented an offering before the image of his teacher, Yunyan. And he told the story about his personal experience of the time he studied under his teacher, Yunyan. After hearing the story, one of the monks asked, when Yunyan said, just this is it, what did he mean? Now to shed light on this question, we need to look at the fuller version of this story. So as Dongshan prepared to leave Yunyan after studying with him for many years, Yunyan said, where are you going? And Dongshan said, although I'm leaving the master, I don't know where, where I'll end up. Yunyan said, you're not going to Hunan? Dongshan said, no, I'm not. Yunyan said, are you returning home? No. Yunyan said, Sooner or later, you will return. And Dongxia said, when the master has an abode, then I'll return. Where's that? Yunyan said, if you leave, it will be difficult to see each other again. And Dongxia said, it will be difficult to not see each other again. You see what this is, what they're talking about? This is not, I'll meet you at the diner, eight o'clock for coffee. So just when Dongshan was about to depart, he said, if in the future someone happens to ask whether I can describe the master's truth or not, the master's teachings, how should I answer to them? After a long pause, Yunyan said, just this is it. 
and Dongshan side. This again? I've heard it so many times. Right? It sounds like either impenetrable statement or a statement that is so worn out because we hear it again and again as practitioners that we think, well, I have an idea what this is. Just be in the moment. Don't think of anything else. Don't be anywhere else. Is that what he said? So when Yunyan, then Yunyan said, Worthy Liang, was his family name, now that you have taken on this great affair, and this is referring to his successorship, becoming a teacher, you must consider, consider it carefully. It is, of course, tremendous responsibility to become a successor. Because you're kind of on your own. There's no curriculum to follow. Although Zen has many rules, leading, teaching is wide open. It has to be. Because it has everything to do with what arises in the moment, not what we want the moment or what we want to see in the moment. It has to do with what arises at each encounter. The teachings are born with each encounter. So Dongshan left, but continued to experience doubt. Later, as he crossed the stream, he saw his reflection in the water and was awakened to Yunyan's meaning. He then composed the verse. Avoiding seeking it elsewhere, for that's far from the self. Now I travel alone. Everywhere I meet it. Now I'm homeless. Therefore, everywhere is home. Now it's exactly me. Now I am not it. It must thus be understood to merge with thusness. Of suchness. And this, this verse expresses a fundamental teaching of two key sutras in our tradition Mahaprajna Paramita, Hot Sutra, and the Sandokai, merging of sameness and differences. The Hot Sutra states that form is emptiness and emptiness is form. And then the Sandokai deals with merging form and emptiness. And to the mind that thinks in this or that binary way, merging is an act of taking this and putting it together with that. So even, even to say merging, even that is problematic. Because if this is that, then what am I merging with what? So linguistically, it may work. For us. But in reality, there's no, there are no such things. Because this is that. 
Now it's exactly me. Now I am not it. And he says it must thus be understood to merge with thusness. And yesterday we talked about the host and the guest. What is the relationship between the host and the guest? And if you remember, Union said, luckily I'm here to make him tea. And Dongshan arrived at the conclusion that there is nothing to seek, nothing to merge with. Only after many years of doubt, exhaustive search, and diligent, diligent practice. Which means falling down, getting up, making mistakes, after mistakes, after mistakes. And we need to do the same and arrive at the same conclusion. Same conclusion, through walking our own unique path, facing our own unique fears, dealing with our own unique circumstances in life. Because what has been realized by past teachers and practitioners is the same. The way we each realize is different. It's one path. How can we walk it with somebody else's legs? So in this session, keep in mind that while you may not, you may have nothing to do with the schedule and you're not responsible for putting it together, you are fully responsible for using it well. That's on you. Putting together the schedule, making all the arrangement is on us. We got that. So you can wholeheartedly focus on doing the work. There's a similar story from another time Dongshan was holding memorial service to his teacher. And the exchange in the story is raising the important point of knowing how to study with a teacher while not abdicating the responsibility for one's own practice and the continuation of it, the maturation of it. So as Dongshan was con conducting memorial service for Yunyan again, a monk asked, what kind of teachings did, the, did you receive when you were studying under Yunyan? And Dongshan said, although I was there, I did not receive any teachings. The monk said, then why conduct service for him? Dongshan said, I do not esteem my late teacher's virtues or Buddhist teachings. I only value the fact that he did not explain anything for me. I only value the fact that he did not spoon fed me. He did not delude me to think that it comes from the outside. He was not an accomplice, right? He did not help me keep my eyes closed, ride somebody else's energy. So the monk said, do you agree with your late teacher or not? And Dongshan said, I half agree, half disagree. And the monk said, why don't you completely agree? And Dongshan said, 
If I completely agreed, then I would be unfaithful to my teacher. I said before, I almost misunderstood my late teacher. And then I half agree, half disagree. That's the same. Well, the study of Zen is not cumulative as we may first perceive it to be. It is more like a process of shedding an old belief that we need to be saved. That we need to be saved. That, that there is a savior out there who will give us the key to freedom. But essentially, we are the solution to a problem that does not exist. Dongshan said that although he studied with Yunnan, he never received any teachings. And this is exactly how we need to study. To embrace the teachings. To stay open to the guidance of a teacher. And to welcome and support or to welcome the support and to support the Sangha. Yet, to trust that the responsibility to do the ongoing work is always on each of us. We're not copying, we're not closing our eyes, asking, where should I go? Should I make a right turn, left turn? Should I sit down, get up? I do not esteem my lay teacher's virtue or Buddhist teachings. I only value the fact that he did not explain anything to me. In other words, he appreciated the fact that Yunyan did not make it easy. Only gave him the space and the time to explore on his own. Created the optimal conditions for him to look within. All Union was able to do is just mirror the fundamental truth without adding any distortions to the original. To mirror to Dongshan what has always been this way. Without deceiving. So to give the space, which is really what happens in Sushin, right? You are provided with ample amount of time to go deep, to examine, to explore, to bear witness to what arises, to dissolve, to open up. This fundamental truth is always, always speaking to us directly. It's just that we are so preoccupied with the loud inner chatter that we simply can't hear it. Of course, when we get quiet for a while, the chatter subsides. Then, we can hear in a different way. Yet, it cannot be explained, described, or portrayed. And this is what we have to let go of. Wanting a clear answer or a definition or direction. 
It's like the rain. No need to explain. Any explanation remove us, remove us from experiencing the rain. And even calling it rain creates a buffer, a gap, a distortion. Because it's not rain. It's not, period. Introduction says, it cannot be depicted, it cannot be drawn. <coughs> Pua turned the flip, Longia just showed half his body. And Pua's teacher, Pang Shan, was about to die. He asked his disciples if any of them made a portrait of him. And a couple of monks, I guess we're talented with the brush, showed him a portrait of a painting that they have made of, of him, of Pan Shan. And Pan Shan was not impressed by that. And Pua, who happened to be there, got up, did a somersault, and left. Pua was deeply pleased with that expression. Front row, and left. Now, you remember, remember the koan about the national teacher asking the emperor to build him a seamless monument after his passing. I think we can assume that he would have smiled if the emperor reacted by doing a somersault and then leaving the room. And that's what we're asked to do. So Dong Chan said, I only half agree with Yunyan. And then he adds, I, if I completely agree, then I would be unfaithful to my teacher. Now, if Dongshan would follow the way Yunyan lived the Dharma, then of course he would abdicate the responsibility to embody it in his own life. And would negate the uniqueness of his own existence. And both of them, lived as unified manifestation of the truth, but did so in their own unique ways. It's very important to, to understand that. Because if we don't, we end up creating cookie-cutting machines. A cookie, great cookie-cutting machine, and we call it Zen practice. We all have to look the same, sound the same, be the same. Then we are not truthful to the Buddha. We're creating a dogmatic way of practice, which actually may give us some sense of security. Because it's easier for the mind. Structure is always easier for the mind. But in terms of Zen practice, structure is upaya. It's no more than upaya. And we're going to crown upaya. We're going to miss the point. And we're going to argue about upaya. What happens? Well, we know what happens when religions do that. 
become dogmatic, right? We take what is medicine and we use it as poison. We take what is meant to unite and we use it to divide. You should look like me. You don't know what you're doing. I'm better. I have more experience. I'm more precise. We have a lot to learn. We have a lot to learn. It says that if a successor does not go beyond the teacher, does not surpass the teacher, then the lineage will decline. And the Dharma successor is someone who knows how to trust innate wisdom and how to keep studying and deepening for the rest of their lives. To keep it going. Because if we follow dogmatically, of course there is the Dharma, right? There is that tradition and we adhere to a tradition. But to go beyond means to embody. Means to embody. And only you can do that. We're all sharing an endless and formless path that appears, appears as myriad unique and exquisite manifestations. Why limit it to copying from another? Why limit ourselves? One has many kinds and each is one of a kind. Never before, never again. Even here. The trees, the forest, the rocks, the raindrops, the lake, bears, the deers, each breath you take, each of us, never before, never again. That's just this is it. Always renewing itself. The second we think we know just this is it, we are cut off from life. In fact, the second we think we know anything, we are cut off from life. We are detached. So it cannot be depicted, but it, can, but it can be expressed. It can be deeply appreciated. And it can be celebrated. Wherever we are. Whether or not it matches our expectations. Like, like, in Zen, like Zen training, Aikido practice also encourages students to, to know how to follow the teachings and a teacher while taking responsibility to find the source of their own key within rather than copying the teacher's movement blindly. And when people don't do that, it looks quite odd. Right? You see short students following a tall teacher. 
doesn't work well, or vice versa. It doesn't work. And then they're trying to force it to work. Not trusting that it's within. Right? So all the teacher can do is point us to ourselves. Show us. You've got it within you. And often what we get back as Dharma teachers is arguments. No, I don't. I know better. How can you say that? So then you say it again and again and again and again. And some stick around to hear it again and again and again. And at some point, maybe we get tired of this exchange and we start looking within. So the monk then asked, did Yunyan himself know it, know it is or not? And Dongshan said, if he didn't know it is, how could he be able to say this? If he did know it is, how could he be willing to say this? And the last two lines of Dongshan's verse expressed his answer to the monk. Now it's exactly me, now I am not it. It must be thus understood to merge with thusness. If Yunyan did not go through experiencing the great death, personally, and if he did not realize this, how could he speak from there? Right? The words will not come from there. How would he say? How would he know that just this is it? So he may say the words. But where does he come from? And then, if he did not come to life after the great death, he would have remained stuck there and would be unable to say anything. Because in nothing, nothing is heard. No one is there to hear. No one is there to speak. So Yunya deeply realized and then completely let go of any trace of realization so he was able to say, just this is it. From the depth of personal experience and embodiment of it. In other words, he expressed just this is it through his everyday activities. Let your life speak. It's important that we examine how we hear what Union is saying. Just this is it. It sounds simple. And it is, in fact, simple. And that's exactly where the problem is. It is so simple that we find it almost impossible to fathom because it's not how we experience our everyday life. It's almost, it almost sounds dismissive at times, right? Ah, just don't worry about it. It's just this. Just get through that. Move on. That's how we often hear it. That's how we often hear a lot of things. You know, we, we hear something. Somebody is saying something to us. And for example, corrections, right? And 
we, we feel, we may hear somebody is rebuking or chastising us. It may have nothing to do with the intention or on the other side. But it's what I hear. Because I think I failed, because I've heard before from others in my past in a way that was maybe chastising and I felt ashamed that I made a mistake or whatever. And of course, everything connects to everything and it comes up. But if we don't take responsibility for it, we just dismiss that as or file it as rebuke then we miss an opportunity to look at what is reacting to that. We miss an opportunity to dissolve and not. And this is how we, we experience our life, as many knots, as many triggers. We also experience before and after, multiple people we interact with on a regular basis. Plenty of challenges we have to deal with many intricate details of, to the story of our lives, many karmic entanglements, of course, and the many endless thoughts and emotions in relation to all of that. So to hear just this is it may seem irrelevant at times, or maybe perhaps, maybe it's a state of mind beyond our reach. But in reality, the statement is pointing to that which is always within our reach. It is shedding light on the production of our busy mind. And this statement does have the power to cut through our entanglements and bring our attention to the heart of the matter without excluding anything. Meaning, in, in, in the mud, within the mess, Right now, here, even with all that, having to port everything from the zendo to here, having to rearrange everything. So doing all that is not a break in the sashim. It's not a break in working on deepening samadhi. It's, it continues. We're working on this angle, working on seamless, uh, seamless continuation. Everything continues, seamless expression, seamless manifestation, seamlessness. And, and the, the work on seamlessness is only limited to what we limit it to be. So if we say this is a break, that's how we experience it. If we don't say anything and we just do it, it naturally becomes or experienced as being seamless. An introduction ends with raising an important question about this process of deepening that we're in. It is asking ultimately, who is in what state? How do we know? The formal Zen practice offers structured path of deepening the understanding in a systematic and incremental way that may appear as rungs on a, on a ladder. Students 
go through different collections of koans, beginning with relatively simple cases and then moving on to more subtle, refined koans, different colors of rakusu. And each, each level, so there are levels, each level rep represents different uh, embodiment, level of embodiment and commitment. And of course, there's hierarchy that we have to deal with. So clearly, there are varying degrees of immersion which are expressed and embodied based on the depth of the realization. But again, ultimately, who is in what state? So if we... If we fixate on that, we assign a meaning more than what it actually has, then it becomes something. Then I am here and you're there. Then we may fail to see unity. We may fail to see unity because it's a lot easier for us to actually not see unity. Because those eyes, those ears, that's how we perceive reality, obviously. So to our mind, to our mind, the, the process in practice seems linear. But in reality, it is more like an, an experience of expanding in all directions, all at once. And so we can say, you are progressing, but you're not getting anywhere. So you definitely are progress. As long as you're practicing, as long as you're sincere, as long as we are sincere, all of us, in our devotion to practice, of course we're deepening. But we're getting nowhere. And the progress in practice has been broken down by two stages by different Zen ma masters. And <clears throat> within the two schools of Zen, Linji described it in four stages and Dongshan described it in five stages. In Dongshan's case, known as Dongshan's five ranks. Each of these stages can also be equated Dogen's gradual process of dissolving the fixed self into the totality of all phenomena. And I was going to talk about this today, but uh, we don't have a whole lot of time for that. So I'm just going to go th quickly through that and uh, devote time to that in another Teisho. But just briefly, the first one, the first level is the relative within the absolute. And each one, each stage is accompanied with a verse. So the relative within the absolute in the third watch of the night, before the moon appears, no wonder when we meet, there is no recognition. Still cherished in my heart is the beauty of earlier days. To study the ways to study yourself. Then, the second one, the absolute within the relative dark within light. The dawn has come to the surprise of an old woman and she chances upon an antique mirror in which she sees clearly and distinctly her own face. 
so different from all images she has formed of herself. From now on, she will no longer ignore her own head and grasp at its mere shadows. The third one, coming from within the absolute, only darkness. In a cloud of dust, he follows a secret road beyond the reach of dust. He excels in keeping unsaid things tabooed at present, yet he says more than most eloquent tongues of the past. The fourth one is arrival at mutual integration, only light. When two blades cross points, there is no need to withdraw. The master swordsman is like the lotus blooming in the fire. Such a person has in and of himself a heaven-soaring spirit. And the fifth one, unity attained. No more light or dark. And the verse says, Lo, he has arrived at supreme unity beyond the is and is not. Who dares to follow the rhymes of his poetry? Let others aspire to the extraordinary. He is happy to return home and sit amidst ashes. And this is the bottom line, isn't it? And this is what Linji said. If you don't find it here and now, you'll never find it anywhere. If you think that anything, anything is an obstacle, then there is an obstacle. There is an obstacle. But if you realize this as it, justice as it, as it is, then where's the obstacle? Or then where else are you going? Then what's wrong with this? Oh, I'll tell you what's wrong with this, right? This is how we, the mind works. I'll write it down because it's a long list. The verse, the jewel mirror, clear and bright, shows absolute and relative. The jade machine revolves. See them both show up at once. At once, as one. Absolute and relative revolve constantly. The way of the school is greatly influential. Its regulated steps, continuous and fine. It is... Of course, regulated, slowly, quietly, pay attention. It is continuous, it is greatly refined. And this is how we start the morning, right? Kentan, dark, no sound, no bells, no chants. Silent illumination. 
silent illumination. So Kentan, you're all sitting there quietly. Then I walk in, we bow, we greet each other. Without words, we express great depth, great connection to each other. Then three bows, sitting down, and all we hear is the bell. It's all there. Not a single word is needed. Not one needed. And the last line, the verse is, Father and Son change and pass through. Change and pass through. When you meet an impasse, change. Having changed, you can pass through. Argue, you don't. Argue and you're stuck. Father and son change and pass through. Yunyan and Dongshan. Oceanic is their fame. And that fame, that all-reaching ocean is here, now, today. Not only that, it's actually our responsibility. So tomorrow, tomorrow we have a, a special occasion, Jukai, that is celebrating that. It is, we are celebrating a continuation of this endless chain, of this ocean. Many drops, the entire ocean is absorbed into each drop. Who's comparing? And this is what Yunyan passed on to Dongshan, and this is what we are entrusted, we have been entrusted with. And this is what we have to practice, embody, and let our life, our lives, speak of it, not the mouth. So please, care for it. Always cherish it. We are very, very fortunate to have encountered the Dharma, to actually find, to have found the Dharma appealing. Many don't. So cherish that too. Thank you.